this morning's episode is covering three tragic but mysterious stories. They all have something similar in common that I think you'll be able to pick up. Not just because they all follow three people of the same name. And not all because what they are searching for makes no sense to us. And perhaps, perhaps it can only be attributed to the fact that they are searching for the beast. What exactly is the beast? We don't know. And perhaps we never will. Perhaps they don't either. But we will start in March of 18... 1959 with David Stone. He was a 29-year-old stockbroker who played football in high school and college. A few weeks prior to Halloween, students at the academy were asked to design magazine covers for a place they'd like to visit. David chose Sedona, Arizona, a popular destination for vision quests. It is believed that through isolation and meditation, a vision quest can lead to otherwise hidden inner truths. It's a common rite of passage for followers of the New Age movement, which is known for self-enlightenment and spiritual growth. David was a man who appeared to have it all. He was a successful stark market analyst, making good money in a stable career. By all accounts, and of those who knew him, he was seen as a sane man with a sharp and analytical mind. However, a few days before Halloween of 1988, he left his home when a heated argument with a party guest turned violent, something that those close to Stain would say was completely out of character. The party was originally going well until the end of the night when David saw a few of his friends practicing their putting with David's golf clubs. For some reason, this infuriated the normally cool and calm student. David attacked his friends repeatedly, punching and kicking them until partygoers broke them apart. Mark Gullick, one of the friends, helped another up and noticed David's roommate, Anders, was one of the ones attacked. He was bleeding badly enough that Mark offered to take him to the hospital, but the roommate declined. Naturally, everybody began filling out of the home, to just get out of the area from whatever the hell just happened. On the way home, Mark realized that he left his jacket in the apartment. It was a chilly night, and he didn't want to walk home without it. Mark cautiously went back inside and found his belongings, but on his way out, David blocked the doorway. He, Mark asked him if he was okay, since his actions were out of the ordinary, but like a goddamn horror movie, David replied in a slow and incoherent fashion, simply saying, Don't you know what he represents? Not sticking around to decode that cryptic bullshit, Mark left and David told him he just needed time to reflect on his actions. I can only imagine Mark gave him a raised eyebrow nod as he slinked by the man and made his way out the door. The following Monday, on Halloween, David didn't come to school. His friends and classmates didn't think much of it. They just assumed that David needed some time away from everyone and that he was probably embarrassed and that he'd be back soon. I mean, the dude flipped out and most likely just wanted to not be seen for a little bit. However, David would soon become a nationwide mystery. So while David's classmates were wondering where he was, he had already begun a bizarre adventure. 
On Halloween morning, he walked into the New Mexico desert 145 miles east of Tuscan, Arizona. At around dawn, a farmer recalled seeing him walking along a dirt road. And because it was unusual to see people in this remote part of New Mexico, the farmer started a conversation with him. David told him that he was searching for the beast, and then, without another word, continued on his journey. Throughout the day, several other local residents recalled seeing David in the desert, muttering to himself, acting strangely, and walking through rough terrain with a yucca walking stick. He was seen intermittently, sitting next to his vehicle on Highway 8, and anyone who stopped to ask him if he was okay received only, I'm searching for the beast. When David was no longer being seen, people set out to find him. David would only be found in a series of mysterious clues. He left his car by a pyramid-shaped mountains, which naturally have many occult references. Searchers also found a pyramid of rocks that were stacked this way on purpose, surrounded by a triangle. Another pyramid of rocks was found the next day of searching, but next to this one was David's Rolex gold watch and two quarters. Three miles to the north of this pyramid, searchers found a series of numbers written in the sand. It was the Fibonacci sequence, which is often used by engineers in stock market analysis. The sequence goes 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21. However, David replaced the 21 with 18, which is not a Fibonacci number, but when he was in college, he played football and wore the number 18. Also, his car was found parked at mile marker 18. And remember, he was searching for the beast. The number of this beast, of course, is 666. Now, if you add 6 plus 6 plus 6, you get 18. When you reduce 18 to 1 plus 9, it equals or 1 plus 8, it equals 9. 9 is the spiral, just like the Fibonacci, which is also considered by some to be the god numbers. And his remains were found on February 23rd, 1992, which broken down would be 2, 23, 92. 2 plus 2 plus 3 plus 9 plus 2 equals 18. Bloodhounds tracked David's scent to a desolate stretch of New Mexico Highway on Highway 80, 14 miles south of Road Forks. They found his car parked at a cockeyed angle and abandoned on the side of the road. According to the former Hidalgo County Sheriff Deputy Bill Cavalier, it was the most bizarre case I'd ever worked on. It was just about the strangest case that's ever happened around here. While looking through items in the car, David's parents found a strange business card and a pocketbook Bible. The business card belonged to a man named Tony Ballesteros, who was interrogated by the police but claimed to have never met David. Ballesteros and his friends had been camping in the desert, so it is likely that he dropped a business card and David picked it up as he passed through the campground. David then wrote a strange note that simply read, They think the word is in the safe. Six knives in Rob's room. Use buys your tea and use takes your chances. Halloweens. In the New Age movement, the beast sometimes is described as the concentration of negativity in one's soul. And on February 23rd, 1992, four years after he disappeared, two hikers would find David's skeletal remains in the desert near Granite Cap, New Mexico. 
It was confirmed that the body was his, but medical examiners and police could not determine the time or cause of his death. There was no evidence of foul play, making it likely that he died of dehydration or prolonged exposure to the outdoors. We never found where he got his water. We never found discarded food wrappers, said the now Hidalgo County search leader, Ralph Dottie. We're not used to looking for people who don't want to be found. To this day, no one knows exactly what happened to David, why he acted so strangely before he left, or the meaning behind his cryptic clues. We're all just left wondering that maybe he did find the beast. Here's another David and another mystery. There is a man who repeatedly stands in the middle of a busy main road and then refuses to speak. Even in the faces of judges passing down multi-year prison sentences, this man doesn't even crack his lips. His name is David Hampson. Having already been jailed nine times, David Hampson was once again blocking the traffic outside Swansea Central Police Station during a cold December of 2021. Approached by people who knew him far too well at this point for solely this routine, he didn't say anything to police officers, lawyers, court staff, magistrates, or judges, leading to yet another trial. This 51-year-old man has been repeating the same pattern of blocking traffic and remaining silent, then going back to the exact same spot and doing it again. A man who finds himself on a mysterious cyclical loop since 2014. But why is he doing this? What is drawing him here? What don't we know? Due to his constant obstructions, David was banned legally from blocking traffic under threat of more jail time. But once he is released, he sees the sun above, breathes the air, looks at the traffic. It's rush hour. The streets are never busier than this moment, and it was his time. Without a second thought, complete determination in his eyes, David takes a step on the road. A single man who will face the approaching cars and trucks and complicate the general circulation. The most recent incident was in 2021, when the police were alerted to the man standing in the middle of the De La Bastrich blocking traffic, this time just yards from the Swansea Central Police Station. Of course, they immediately knew who it had to be, and they released the troops. A cop and two special constables went to see what was happening and found the man. He didn't look at them, nor did he greet them. David Hampson was led to the side of the road by the authorities at hand and initially detained under a mental health act. Once his identity was established from driving li his driving license, he was arrested for breaching a criminal behavioral order, the one that specifically told him not to go to Rhodes and stand there. Of course, he made no reply when cautioned, nor was he subsequently charged. Likewise, he remained silent the following a day when he appeared at the Swansea Magistrate's Court and was remanded into custody and said nothing during a hearing at the Crown Court during May of 2022. David simply stared into the void. Now, because the defendant refused to talk, when asked to enter a plea of court, a not guilty plea was recorded on his behalf and the matter went to trial at the Swansea Crown Court. But before a jury decided whether he did obstruct the highway or not, it had to be determined whether Hampson was mute of malice or mute by visitation of God. That is, whether he could speak 
but chooses not to, or whether there was some sort of physical or other issue, like a mental aspect, that prevented him from speaking. But the jury did find that he was mute of malice, and that he did carry out the act of blocking the road and breaching his criminal behavioral order. This was because a few times, when somebody handed him papers, people noted that he did whisper, in fact, a thank you. Following that finding by juries, the judge ordered a psychiatric report into Hampson in the hope that he could shed some light on his behavior and suggest possible help that he could be offered. However, the defendant refused to speak to the court-appointed doctor, so no interview could take place. In response, the court ordered that his medical records be produced and given to the psychiatrist so at least some information could be known. Judge Paul Tomas said, Either Mr. Hampson is going to spend the rest of his life in prison, or something is done to help him with what are clearly deep-seated problems. The court wants to help you rather than punish you, but whether he is willing to help us, that is another matter. It was later resolved his lack of speech was selective and deliberate, but there could, there could be financial stresses or social stretches which were impacting it. Despite this, the doctor said he couldn't make a clear diagnosis or any official comment which could aid or impact his trial. So, back in 2014, David was first given four counts of willfully obstructing free passage, convicted of a public nuisance offense again in 2015, and handed a criminal court order in 2017. Later, he received a custodial sentence for breaching it in both 2016 and 2017. So all this led to him being sentenced to 42 months in prison in 2018. During his 2018 prison campaign, David would set fire to his cell mattress and sit there silently. And then we're back to where we started. In 2021, David Hampson, of no fixed abode, continued to say nothing while being sentenced to now three and a half years in prison. And never once did he talk to the judge or the cops, not even opening his mouth to confirm his name. Nothing else is known about the man behind the act. David Hampson, in fact, he technically has never confirmed or denied anything. He has no fixed address. The police, who had been repeatedly called to the scene of the crime in the middle of the road, said it seemed like he was wanting to get arrested. Throughout the years, he's remained silent, often looking at the floor blankly without any discernible expression. Because of this, he has been called the silent man. Now, the general theory, of course, is that David is a homeless individual, and most likely the free roam and board of prison is preferable than living on the cold streets in December. David clearly didn't want to harm anyone directly or commit anything atrocious that would warrant a lengthy stay, but has found a method for this to work in a cycle. This is strengthened by the fact that he commits to blocking the traffic almost immediately upon release, or maybe there is something else we don't know. Maybe there is something he sees that we don't. Perhaps David, too, is simply searching for the beast. Our last story of the morning is Dave Box and the Uranium Furnace. David, Dave Box, was 39 years old when he disappeared during his shift as a pipe lifter in the maintenance department at the Fermald Feed Materials Production Center. The Fernald Feed Materials Production Center is a center located within both Crosby Township in Hamilton County and Ross Township in Butler County, both in Ohio. The factory provided thousands of well-paying jobs to the people in the counties, and people didn't really know much of actually what it went there. In fact, uh, a lot of people saw the red and white checkered pattern and assumed that it was owned by Purina, 
because the logo for the Purina dog and cat food brand was almost identical to the design on the water tower, and rural Ohio just seemed like a good place for that anyway. And it didn't help that the Fernald Center was called the Feed Materials Production Center, but they didn't actually make anything to do with food. It was a uranium processing facility that produced uranium fuel cores for the nuclear weapons production complex from 1951 to 1989. The location of Fernald was strategic. It was located between the uranium ore delivery ports in New York and New Orleans, making it a very accessible location. The employees of Fernald were told that the plant produced very low levels of radiation and that there is nothing that would harm the workers. But, you know, don't tell anybody what we're doing because it's, it's secret. But according to one former employee who began working in 1982, everybody was required to sign a non-disclosure agreement at the time of the hire. But the truth was, Fernald did not produce low radiation levels. It was releasing large amounts of radioactive uranium dust directly into the atmosphere, and this would cause significant radioactive contamination of the areas surrounding the plant, very uh, a la Simpsons. In June 1984, Dave Box went missing during his night shift fitting pipes for Fernald. He was seen by multiple people, but at some point he seemed to disappear simply into thin air. A witness claims to have last seen Box sitting inside a car at around 4 a.m. having a discussion with a supervisor. It's unknown to this day what Box and the supervisor were speaking about, and the name of the supervisor has never been released to the public. But the last official sighting of Box was around 5 a.m., and it was reported that he was walking towards Plant 4, the Green Salt Plant. Now his remains would soon be found in the furnace of Plant 6, which was the metals fabrication plant one of david's co-workers was also his carpool buddy he told police that dave was not present in plant four for the scheduled safety meeting at 7 a.m that morning and at 7:30 a.m one furnace operator in plant six reported to a supervisor that the casings in his oven were covered in a strange sticky residue and mentioned a weird smell that was not typical the supervisor assured him things were fine, and the operator returned to work. Dave's carpool buddy waited for Dave to meet him to drive him home, but he never showed. Dave's friend reported him missing, and the facility began investigating, trying to find the missing man. Uh, then the plant record suddenly showed a 